It's time for Field Notes, brought to you by the Montana Natural History Center. I often feel that new words come to me at the exact right moment. This fall, I had one of those moments of synchronicity, where I began to see the word eruption in various places, a word that until then was unfamiliar to me. Rather than eruption, like a volcano, eruption is spelled with an I. Typically used in conjunction with the word event, an eruption event is used to describe birds that move southward when there is a shortage of food in their home range. Aha! Perhaps this word had arrived in my life precisely in this moment to explain why the bird feeder hanging from the green ash tree outside my living room window had suddenly become a haven for pine siskins. If you haven't seen one before, a pine siskin looks somewhat like a finch, somewhat like a sparrow, but much smaller. Their beaks are more slender than a finch's or sparrow's, and their tails are heavily notched in a V-shape. Their breast is distinctively striped, and they have yellow markings on the wing and tail feathers. Pete Dunn, in his Essential Field Guide Companion, calls them a quick, nervous, dark, drab, ultra-squeaky, pipsqueak of a bird that makes up in sass and belligerence what it lacks in size. But more on that later. Why were all of these pine siskins suddenly at my feeder, normally host an array of house sparrows, dreaded European starlings, and an occasional northern flicker or downy woodpecker? It turns out that among everything else it was, 2020 was an eruption year. Canada's boreal forests produced fewer conifer seeds than usual, driving the birds that rely on those seeds further south in search of food. Specifically, the pines, spruces, and hemlocks that birds in the finch family, like the pine siskin, rely on, produced fewer cones and seeds. As with agricultural crops, tree cone crops can follow a boom and bust cycle of production. If a cone crop failure occurs in the year after a particularly abundant year, bird populations may be higher, having risen in the good year. Higher bird populations would then increase pressure on scarce food sources in the eruption year, driving flocks southward in search of food. The larger the geographic area and the more tree species impacted, the more bird species you'll see moving out of their typical winter range. In Montana, we're particularly likely to see birds affected by an eruption year, since in bird miles, we're not far from the Canadian boreal forests. In 2020, however, people as far south as Bermuda and as far west as Portland saw pine siskins, purple finches, evening grosbeaks, red-breasted nuthatches, and common red poles, all birds you're likely to find in an eruption year. 2020 turned out to be one of the biggest eruption years ever recorded for pine siskins. Normally strictly diurnal, or daytime, migrants, pine siskins were even recorded migrating at night this year, for the first time in over a decade. According to the Finch Research Network, it seems the severity of the food shortage caused pine siskins to temporarily adopt migration patterns more typical of other songbirds. Back to Pete Dunn. His field guide tells us that pine siskins are known to be fairly fearless, constantly challenging occupants for their perches or standing their ground against larger birds. When feeding flocks are flushed, pine siskin is usually the last bird out and the first one back. This year in particular, pine siskins were seen displacing local resident birds at feeders, like my own, due to the sheer size of the siskin flocks. 
While I welcome the extra activity at my feeder, and particularly appreciate the red-breasted nuthatches that add color and whimsical movement to the otherwise drab winterscape, I can't help but wonder how climate change affects eruption. Will we start seeing eruption events more frequently if boreal food sources dwindle? If so, what will happen to local bird populations over the long term if erupting birds like pine siskins drive them away from feeders and droves? What will the makeup of my feeder look like next fall, or fall 20 years from now? I don't know these answers, but I'm certainly inspired to keep paying attention. This field note was written in the Field Notes Writing Workshop at the Montana Natural History Center. I'm Elizabeth Dominich for Field Notes, brought to you by the Montana Natural History Center, providing natural history education for schools and the public throughout Montana. For information on upcoming events and programs at the center, please call 327-0405 or visit our website at montananaturalist.org.